0: This morning, I want to go after <clears throat> faithfulness, love, grace, mercy, and long suffering. Starting with faithfulness or t- truthfulness corresponds with God's nature and immutability. His words and promises are reliable and accurate. His word is the final standard of truth. You remember what immutability is, right? God never changes, it's immutable, never changes. Now, the scriptural evidence of faithfulness is all of God's words are faithful and true. So we might as well turn to a psalm that we've been reading through the summer in uh, church service time Psalm 119, verse 86. Where it says, all your commandments are faithful, they have, they have persecuted me with a lie, help me. entering. That's why a lot of people think this might be David as the, as the writer of this one, because uh, <clears throat> he was often on the run there. <clears throat> but uh, it's interesting that uh, he points the fact out that his commandments are faithful, and uh, while well, he's been persecuted and crying for help, Psalm 1 in and in verse 142 says, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Again, interesting, linking together righteousness being everlasting, and your law is truth. And we've, we've heard in other passages also that the uh, law and the word of God is also everlasting then the <clears throat> verses 151 and 52 you are near O Lord and all your commandments are truth of old I have known from the, your testimonies that you have founded them forever and then Daniel chapter 4 verse 37 Daniel 437. And again, this is the wrap-up statement to Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. Nebuchadnezzar says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are true and his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. And that is a lesson Nebuchadnezzar learned firsthand. If you're familiar at all with with the uh, book of Daniel. um, And because of the time, let's move on to the next one where the term where God is our rock on whom we can depend. It's interesting, that term rock for God shows up all over the the Old Testament. And um, <clears throat> let's, let's start with Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32. Again, I noticed in, in this study of the attributes and uh, looking them up and studying them that Often, the discussion of his attributes brings me into the book of Deuteronomy, and I just get a. The more I'm in this book, the more I'm really impressed with with the the volume of material that's covered in the book of Deuteronomy. It's a magnificent book, Uh, probably terribly overlooked. I'm afraid, but a great book. Verse four of chapter thirty-two the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are just god a god of faithfulness without and without justice righteousness and upright is he without injustice excuse me righteousness upright major difference amazing what two little letters can can, can do to a word <laughs> yeah <clears throat> Read those that last phrase. God is a God of faithfulness, without injustice, righteousness, and upright is He. Again, it's just like steady, like that rock. And then verses fifteen through eighteen. But Jeshurim, now that's just another term for Israel. Jeshurim grew fat and and kicked. You you are grown fat, thick, and sleek. Then then then, then he forsook God who made him. And scorned the, the rock of his salvation. They made him jealous with strange gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to the demons who were not God, to gods whom they <clears throat> had not known, new gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. You neglect the rock who begot you and forgot the God who gave you birth. Again, recapping um, <clears throat> some of the sins of the, of the nation. Um, and again, you went after these false gods and you rejected the rock, the one that's your stability, the one that's your foundation, you rejected the rock, the one that can really do something for you. And then Psalm 18. Matter of fact, that would be a great study one day, just looking up all the passages about the rock and put them into greater greater context. But Psalm eighteen verse two and three The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, <clears throat> my shield and, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from from my en- I am saved from my enemies. Again, the rock and then Last but not least here, Isaiah twenty six verse four. Twenty six four trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. I mean <clears throat> that would be a, a great sign for the wall. I mean just think think about it. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord, God that's the word that sacred God Yahweh, we have an everlasting rock, and then also uh, biblical evidence of His truthfulness and His faithfulness is the fact that He keeps all of His covenants. He keeps all, and <clears throat> I know I've had some conversations lately with folks about different. Views of uh, future things, and um, that's one of the reasons. Like some of these other views, uh, other than the premillennial view, um, where well, the church, you know, a lot of the covenant theologians, where you know Israel sinned, therefore the church took its place. Well, that kind of like, well, what happened to the Abrahamic covenant? Oh, the church took it. Oh, okay. Well, no, I don't read it that way. Scripture Deuteronomy four thirty one. Deuteronomy 4.31 For the Lord, your God, is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers, which he swore to them. I mean, these are not lightweight little terms here. You know, these are, that's... That's pretty That's pretty definite strong language there. You know, it's just, this is not something to flip it. Well, you know, it you know, meant it when he said it, but you guys, you know. Now, again, it also, too, it goes back to salvation itself. You know, scripture teaches over and over again, Old and New Testament, salvation is of the Lord. His covenants are of the Lord. And there's a lot of places we can read in Scripture where, Um, it's the prophets they're they're all over the prophets where the prophets point out that you as a nation have sinned yet I am faithful I mean there's passages that that say that truth over and over and over again and one day those covenants to the Israel not to some other entity but to Israel will come to pass so off the track a little bit, but Deuteronomy seven nine to that's been on my mind lately. <laughs> seven verses nine through eleven. <clears throat> know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps His covenant with His with His loving kindness to a thousand generation with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Here's the other half of that process, the other side of the coin but repays those who hate him to their faces to destroy them. He will not delay with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment and the statutes and the judgments which I comm- which I am commanding you today to do them. Again, and we've seen that. There's, um, <clears throat> it reminds me of those passages, like I said, uh, I think in the New Testament, not all of Israel is Israel in a, Saved sense, okay? Um, Then Nehemiah, chapter 1. Nehemiah, chapter 1. Are we there? Nehemiah, chapter 1. I thought I heard some grunts and groans back there. <laughs> it might be you hit Psalms and back up. <laughs> Nehemiah 1.5. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. And again, even you look forward to the history all of those Jewish people over the centuries that were true believers will receive those covenant promises. Like, we went through our study of eschatology. Remember that they, uh, we saw the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant and the New Covenant by way of Jeremiah 31, speaking directly to the Jews. Those saved Jews will Experience and receive those covenant promises. I believe they're coming in that thousand-year period spoken of in Revelation 20. <clears throat> but anyway, we've been through that one, and I love this passage, Second Corinthians 1. Um, <clears throat> we'll look at, we'll, like I say, we'll have to pass some of these. Second Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, where all of God's promises are responded to by yes and amen. One eighteen. But as God is faithful, our word to you is it not yes and no? For the Son of God, Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me in Sylvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but is yes in Him. <clears throat> For as many For as many as may be the promises of God in him, they are yes. Wherefore, also by him is our amen to the glory of God through us. So, I mean, as far as the promise of God, you can say yes and amen. When he says a promise, gives a promise, it's good. It's gold. You can count on it. It's going to happen because it's based on his character it's not based on what we do or anybody else does it's based his promises are based solely on his character as being a faithful and trustworthy god and that's why we can say to those promises like paul wrote here it's yes and amen you read a promise you can say amen it's going to happen <laughs> it's going to happen <clears throat> Not fully. Not fully. I, I don't know how people can not... Okay. Yeah, it's, it's interesting the folks out there that, uh, for lack of a better term, don't get it. Okay. <laughs> on, to, on to the next one. Or get something else. Let's put it that way. The word love. Now, God's love is self-giving for the eternal benefit of his people... And a good example, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. To me, you know, John 3.16, that to me is the best, the simplest definition of what God's love is, for God so loved he gave. And when you talk about love that, uh, <clears throat> we're going to look at the words, the <clears throat> agape, agape, love, it's it's a love that, that gives, it gives does something it just doesn't say you know like like oh i love you i mean it and then and walks away you know no it's it's got something to it you 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 actually it's <clears throat> it does things it acts it does it just doesn't speak it's not all talk it's uh, it's as much shown as it is spoken matter of fact the scriptural evidence for god love well i put the words for love in the bible in the, in the hebrew old testament a Is the word used for God's love for his people? Let's go back to Deuteronomy four, Deuteronomy four, thirty one to thirty eight. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant with your fathers which he swore to them. Indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you since the day of, that God created man on the earth and inquire from the end of the heavens to the, to the other. <clears throat> um, has, he, ha, has anything been done like this great thing or has anything been heard like it? has has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard it and survived I mean, he's referring back again remember to their crossing the you know getting out of Egypt or has a or has a god small g to to <clears throat> to do to go and and take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials by signs and wonders and by war and by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm and by a great Terrors as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you, <clears throat> to you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, he is God. There is no other beside him. Out of the heavens he let you hear his voice. To to discipline you the and, and on earth he let you see his great fire and you heard his words from the midst of the fire because he loved your fathers therefore he chose their descendants after them and he personally brought you from Egypt by his great power driving out from before you nations greater than minor than you to bring you to <clears throat> to bring you in and to give you their land for inheritance as it is today i mean yeah, he's Remember, Deuteronomy, the book, covers what Moses taught the people just prior to going in to take the promised land. So this is the final message that Moses gave, recorded it for us. And again, you know, you're know, you going in, and he says, what other nation has made these kinds of problems? Have you made that demonstration? And the answer is obviously, well, None. <laughs> none. All throughout history, and 7, 6-8, six, six to eight, Deuteronomy says, For you are, a, check, you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people of his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you or, or choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, <clears throat> for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you, and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers. The Lord brought you out of, of, by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh of Egypt. <clears throat> Again, that was an act of love. He did all that as an act of love. Also, um, <clears throat> we won't. We'll, in the Greek, the Greek New Testament. I want to get to this quickly. The Greek word in the New Testament is agapeo and agapi is a selfless love that again, that gives. It speaks of commitment of one to another. Now, <clears throat> before we go on, I want to go to John fifteen, but before we get there, that agapeo is used in the place of Aheb in the Old Testament. Uh, that's Septuagint translation of the Old Testament, which is the Old Testament Hebrew translated into Greek. So Agapeo is used for the Aheb in the Septuagint, and that's the word in their Septuagint. I was in the Old Testament. That's like, I would say, ninety plus percent of the time. That just kind of doing a rough ding through my various concordances. <laughs> isn't, <laughs> so, isn't it true that isn't it the agape? It, God chooses to love, and doesn't it has nothing to do with how good or bad or anything else they are? He just chooses to love well, that person or that nation. Well the word love means did you give? Now what the motivation force of that is could vary from person to person, but from God, yeah. Well it says for God so loved the world that he gave his son as a means of salvation. But uh, <clears throat> if you're talking salvifically, ultimately, yeah, those he chose he obviously shed his love on. He gave. That leads us into a whole different conversation later when we get into the Doctrine of Salvation about limited or unlimited atonement, which is always fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's down the road. <laughs> you don't want to the, today is definitely not today. <laughs> but it's actually an important topic that yeah. <clears throat> is uh, ignored or dodged by many. <laughs> It's uh, not without uh, interesting discussion, usually. Okay, John chapter 15, verse 12. Again, now this is that same love. This is my commandment. That you love one another just as I have loved you. That is a pretty high uh, standard right there. It says... That you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has, has no one than that he would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not, <clears throat> does not know what, what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, <clears throat> should remain. and whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. <clears throat> and again, that same love, that the love he asks us to exercise within the church is that same John 3.16 love, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He gave. That's the level. And that's why <clears throat> on this earth, we're never going to... In virtually everything we do, we're never going to reach perfection. I mean, that's that's a pretty strong love. That's a pretty strong love. And matter of fact... Um, God's love is manifested us in the sacrifice of Christ. We're here, John, let's look at Romans 5. I mean, Romans 5. 5, 6 through 10. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous one one would one will uh, hardly die for a righteous man though perhaps for the for the good man someone would dare even to die but god demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us much more than than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath of god through him For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I mean, you just just think about that. Uh, Where it says we we were enemies, literally, we were at war. As a matter of fact, to be at war with God is to ultimately lose. But while we were in that situation, God just... By his love, his grace, which is our next one, he just took us out. He just took us out. He did on his own. And then <clears throat> seeing that we're so close, eight thirty seven, and because of that, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. The King James put it as you know, we are more than conquerors. And it's all because of the fact that he Loved us, and I don't. We don't need to turn there. But in First uh, John four seven through sixteen, it just John speaks of you know just God is love, and again, it's like we talked about at the very beginning of the attributes. Uh, we started this on attributes that uh, these attributes are who God is. They are his descriptors. He is these things. He is these things, um, <clears throat> and then right there, right with love, it's grace. Grace describes God as perfectly bestowing favor on those who cannot earn it due to their sinful state and who are facing eternal condemnation. Again, the scriptural teachings, um, <clears throat> the object of God's grace are primarily God's people. But then there is a kind of a, a general grace, common grace upon all of mankind. But I'm talking about the specific grace that leads to salvation. Genesis 6.8 we don't need to turn there but that's where as God is about ready to send the flood getting prepared to send the flood where it says Noah found favor okay in the eyes of the Lord well that word favor would be the Old Testament equivalent of our New Testament word grace Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord <clears throat> Israel is kept by the grace of God Let's look at at Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. 1 through 7. But now thus said the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. That's, that's, again, that's pretty strong. I don't see that covenant being, that promise being just thrown away. I'm sorry. I just, I don't see that happening. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Why? Well, verse 3, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Sheba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored, I love you. I will, give, <clears throat> I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east. I will gather you from the west. <clears throat> I will say to the, to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is, who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. I mean, that, that sounds pretty sure to me, you know. But again, all of us as believers in this church age, does these same promises hold true. The same problem. I mean, you read them, in the New Testament applied to the church. Matter of fact, we, we're going to read some. Uh, matter of fact, let's move on to the church. But all these here, and there's just many, many, many more that speak of Israel. And what I w- wanted to bring out too in this is salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. And we can just look at Romans from that one again. I think everybody in the church at some point in time across this last couple of years have been in Romans somewhere wrong. I mean men's study, women's study, this study, that study. Every Rome has been popping up all over the place. <laughs> Studies over the <laughs> But it's a it's a very important, very critical book. Romans three twenty-four, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, you can jump forward to 5.15. It says, But the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. And then chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift... Of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, the grace—it's free. It's free. It—it—it it, it had to be free. We, we can't merit it, you know. <clears throat> a good at, read. A, you can read Ephesians chapter two, verses one through ten, and um, uh, it gives the whole story. And, you know, remember 2, 8, and 9 for for by grace he is saved through faith It's a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast right and then verse 10 says we are his workmanship created unto, unto grace for for the purpose of doing good works okay that's where the works come in after the salvation that's where the works come in not to get saved it's after you're saved then the works show up and then God's grace, again, is manifested in Christ Jesus. Look at Luke 19. Very... You'll be seeing this passage again sometime soon. The story of... Remember Zacchaeus? That's a little... Really? In that case, got a little tree or whatever it is. It's a sycamore tree. You got stuck on a sycamore or something? See what you can see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as he was looking, he was also seen. <laughs> and Jesus saw him. Let's, let's jump right to, uh, we're Luke 19, just jump right to verse 9. It says, and <clears throat> here's a great, just a picture of grace. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's, that's grace. He comes to seek and to save. All of us who are saved, we've been sought out and saved by the grace of God. I mean, that is, and that is much, much to be thankful for. You know, Because man, in their sin nature, isn't going to seek out God. They'll seek out a false God because that's something they can live up to, and so they think. And they'll create their own gods and things. But, uh, but you know, that's like pray for that. That now agnostic at at the mission, because a lot of people are like that. You know, they they're there, but apart from the grace of God, actually moving in on them. They'll be out there hanging around on the fringes. And speaking of grace, two other aspects, that, of, two other um, <clears throat> attributes of God that just flow right together is mercy and long-suffering. Mercy, obviously, mercy, it's, mercy is God's deep compassion for people, especially to those who are not deserving of it. I mean, we've felt the mercy of God. We're in Luke, if you're still there, Luke 7. Let's give a good, a good example. During the ministry of Christ, and there are many, many like this. Many like this. We know that his, his workings of miracles, ultimately they were, they were signs showing who he was. Uh, they were signs of his messiahship, the fact that he could do these things. But there was other things. There was, there, you know, that, was a, that was a large motivation and a reason for them. But I want to see this one thing too. Luke seven eleven through fifteen. This is right after he heals a centurion servant, and and it came about soon afterwards that he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large multitude. Now as he approached the city, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, the city. Now he approached the gate of the city. Behold, a dead man was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What was his mo- One? Mother, just pure compassion. Didn't, uh, he didn't stop and say anything. He just he, he knew this was the, the woman's only son and a widow woman. That was her means of support. So he just brought him back to life, hand, handed him back to the, to the mother and just went about his business as far as we know. And just, just he was, uh, he was overcome by compassion, so to speak, and just, just decided to do it because it was a nice thing to do. Yes, you know, I love the. This would you can see this verse sixteen. Fear gripped them all. <laughs> I mean, you can see like, oh man, you know, when, to witness that kind of power, I mean, it's scary. That can be scary. Like, if you can do that what could he, else could he do, right? I mean, that is some that is some power. I mean, it reminds me of where, where the disciples were in the boat, you know, and the storm was raging. He goes, what kind of man is this that even the seas obey him, you know? And the storms, it's, boy, what a time. That would have been a great time to be around. It? I mean, just to, just to witness that. And Matthew 9.35, and this is one that, This is a kind of compassion that we all need to have. And whatever level we're at, we all need to improve upon it. Is Jesus' compassion for the lost? 9.35 to 38. And Jesus was going about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness, And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now this harvest he's talking about is the harvest of the reaper coming down. At the end of the age, this is not a harvest of oh, God's fruit. No, no, no. This is a harvest of judgment. He's talking about. That's why he was sad. That's why he, this why he, it was. He was sad about that because it, he felt compassion because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. That tells you right there because what happens to sheep without a shepherd? Yeah, ask the coyotes. They'll tell you what happens to the sheep. Without shepherds and the wolves and mountain lions and whatever else, hungry animals that are around here, <laughs> that's they'll get devoured. They get killed. See, and that's that's the picture. That's the picture. And <clears throat> I think that's why uh, God picked the analogy of sheep for His people. Those of you that have ever raised sheep, they're not the brightest of uh, nature. <laughs> Just saying, they're kind of right there with turkeys. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> But they need help. You know, they just and really when they talk when they're sheep, they're talking about sheep. They're talking about They're not talking like Rocky Mountain bighorns or something like that. They fend for themselves. They're talking about domestic sheep. Domestic sheep are just totally helpless. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about sheep. You know, we're not talking like you know, some bighorn up in the Rocky Mountains someplace. This, you know, these are sheep that are just this kind of. You can kind of see them out in the pasture. They just kind of stand there, and the, the expression on their face says something like, "Duh." They even duh, duh. You know, you hear them? <laughs> but they give good will. <laughs> and, then, and then long-suffering... Long, long-suffering speaks of the perfect patience exercised towards those who sin against Him. Um... Well, we're in the New Testament, so we let's just go. Let's just go there. We've got two examples of that, and um, <clears throat> in Nehemiah, there's one. The old, the new. God is still patient with sinners. First Timothy, chapter one. First Timothy, one fifteen and sixteen. <clears throat> It is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. And yet, for this reason, I found mercy in order that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. And Paul uses himself, in his estimation, as being chief of sinners. Because remember he and he's used himself as an example of that in elsewhere because he actually persecuted the church. I mean, he stood there and watched Stephen getting stoned to death. Okay, I mean he was there. He was he was an accomplice to all that. So he puts himself as the worst of the worst. But he says, hey, if God can show patience to me, He can show patience to anybody. That's that's what He's trying to say. That's one of the things He's saying here. That that's a demonstration of His per of His that that Christ might demonstrate His perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in Him for eternal life. And then uh, Second <clears throat> Peter three nine, and we'll close with that. Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slow about His promises, some count slowness, slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And that's like, that's saying like, the reason why God just doesn't rush right in and just, just slam bang and condemn the whole world and just wipe the sinners off the earth, because there's more people out there, He's planning on bringing into His kingdom. So for the sake of those that have not yet believed, he's exercising long suffering and he's holding back his earthly judgments. So if you ever wonder why does God put up with it, he puts up with it because he's long suffering, and there's more people out there that he's going to bring in. And praise the Lord for everybody that's spreading the gospel. Yes. That's right. I believe there is. There's no question there is. There is. The fact that we're all still the earth is still moving, there is. <laughs> okay, let's let's close. Father God, we thank you for this time, Lord, and we just pray as we I know we took a lot of topics today, a lot of a lot of your attributes, but Lord, we just pray that we would perhaps go back through these notes later this week, that we would just fully appreciate and love what you've done for us. And again, Lord, we just We cannot thank you for enough for the faithfulness, love, and grace, and mercy, and long-suffering you've shown to us. We just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.